Coming up in this episode, we're going to talk about the featured ride of the week, which was Eminence to Pilot Knob. It's a 71-mile ride. Also, it's Tech Talk Week. We're going to talk with Randy Lewis from BikeWorks about twin cam motors, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we'll let you know who's the recipient of this month's giveaway from Random Thoughts website. So stick around. Welcome to Random Thoughts from the Road on the Ozark Rides Digital Network. Conversations about motorcycles, one of the best places to ride in America, the Ozark Mountains of Missouri and Arkansas, and of course, any random thoughts that pop into our head. And now, here's your host from OzarkRides.com, Craig Allen and Randy Lewis. You know, there are a lot of great places to cruise around the Ozarks, whether it's a two-lane back road or a four-lane highway. I strongly suggest you put Brad Bradshaw's number in your phone, 417-333-3333. A lot of people out there this summer, and some may not be watching out for you, and they're probably not. But Brad's a physician, surgeon, and a lawyer. So he can help you with all aspects of your situation. After the show, check him out online at bradbradshaw.com. Remember, save his number, 417-333-3333. Just got one number to remember, three. You know, sometimes even the best-maintained bikes need a little mechanical maintenance. So if you want a first-rate service, then go by Heartland Honda in Springdale, the first Level 5 Honda powerhouse dealer in Arkansas. The red-level technicians can keep you rolling this summer. And if it's time for a new ride... Well, Heartland Honda's got you covered with huge selection of Honda motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-sides with excellent financing options. So give them a call at 479-751-7022 or find them online at heartlandhonda.com. Heartland Honda, work hard, play hard. Well, welcome back to another episode of Random Thoughts from the Road. With me, as always, is Randy Lewis from BikeWorks in Urbana, Missouri. Already popping the top on your second beer, and we haven't even <laughs> just, just got started. Just getting started, homie. How are you doing this week? Doing well. How about you? Fine. I'm glad to see you're feeling better, assuming that's what was really wrong. Could uh, have been out riding. I'm always feeling good. Uh, well, there's your answer. <laughs> well, we've got the ride of the week this week, and it's Eminence to Pilot Knob. It's a 71-mile ride. You actually haven't ridden this. You've had, yeah. been on portions of it. I've been all around this area, but for whatever reason, I've never been on this particular stretch of road. Man, I tell you what, it's a nice one. You'll find it on OzarkRides.com on page four of the Missouri Ride Map section. Now, as I said, it's a 71-mile ride. It takes in a Missouri Highway 106, State Highway K, 49, and 21. So if you're interested, take a look at that. The thing about this ride, though, is it is really twisty. Yeah. I mean, and and not just for a little section of the ride, the whole damn thing. Yeah, for sure. And then once you get up to Pilot Knob, there's a huge cutback on it. Yeah. It goes north and then south and then north-south and then up to east to Pilot Knob. It's a hoot. I'll tell you what, if you're looking for something exciting, definitely take this ride. It goes through the Current River Conservation Area. It ends up in Pilot Knob, as Randy said, and uh, it goes through Ellington and Annapolis. 
Yeah. Annapolis, 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 whatever. Whatever. It goes through that town. <laughs> but it, it's it's mostly rural. Mm-hmm. It just goes through two little small towns. And it's exciting. I would almost hesitate to say that it's not for beginner riders. Yeah. Because there's so know. many cutbacks and curves. Depends on the size of your fortitude, I guess. It does. So if yeah. you get a chance, take a look at it. Again, it's on page four of the Missouri Rides on OzarkRides.com. If you haven't been there, it's kind of to give you a little bit of perspective. There's a couple of big you know, places that people always travel to in Missouri that's right there next to it. I mean, within a handful of miles, you got Johnson Shut-In and Elephant Rock. Right. They're all right there. I mean, that's two big places that a lot of people travel to in Missouri just to go to to see and check out. I mean, this road is kind of like a hidden gem, truthfully. It is. And and the thing about it is, is like you said, there's so much to see around there. It's Mm -hmm. only 71 miles, but because it's so curvy and switchback, it's going to take you a good part of the day to run this ride. But besides that, there's a lot of additional things that you can see along the way. Right, right. So you might want to check it out. Well, this week we're going to talk tech talk. That's why we brought you in, young man. I thought I was just here to drink beer and look ugly. That's always been in the past, but we're <laughs> we're doing things different now. I see, I see. Stepping well, up. We, my... we got an email from a young man. I could be an old geezer. I don't know. JR from the nether regions of the interwebs. Yeah. Well, he wants to know about twin cam motors, plastic chain tensioners. Can they be fixed with a gear kit? Are they good or bad? Basically, these were like Harleys 97 through 16. Take it away, Randy. Yeah. So the years that this particular issue he's talking about here is 97 through 06. It's specifically with the Twin Cam 88. So Twin Cams have got an 88 cubic inch, a 96 cubic inch, and a 103 cubic inch motor, all designed off the Twin Cam platform. So I've had this question brought up so many times in the shop. And I got to first say, I apologize to JR for not getting back to him. Um, we we kind of well, had well, You it. don't get back to me. So, you know, yeah. Think, yeah. consider yourself honored. Yeah. But we have always talked about, you know, this kind of this subject for whatever reason, we've never put it into a podcast. So it was a perfect opportunity. So JR, I didn't get back to you. I apologize, but we knew we were going to be doing this podcast and you kind of seem like you're a longtime listener. So here it is. He prefaced it as, should I just stay away from the motor altogether? Well, in my opinion, absolutely not. Um, I really do like twin cam motors. Now, the good in a twin cam, they were pretty reliable, truthfully. Now, they had their niches, but they were very reliable engines. So what he's talking about here and what we're talking about is on a twin cam engine in your cam chest, there's a cam support plate. You have two cams on the back side of it. There's a chain that drives both those cams together that your rearward cam actually on the front side of the cam support plate has a sprocket that has a chain that drives off the crankshaft. So the crankshaft drives a big sprocket, which is tied to the rear cam, which is tied to the front cam. So with those chains, you have to have tensioners so that they don't have slap or jump or anything like that. So on the first generation motors, they had spring loaded tensioners on them. It's just exactly how it sounds. There's a spring coiled up around a stud that pushes on the backside of this plastic tensioner and the plastic shoe, if you will, rides on the chain. So what they had was, from way back when I I remember, I think Harley first came out and said, you need to check him at 50,000 miles. Within a few years, it went to 40,000 miles. Then within another few years, it went to 30,000 miles. You had to check these tensioners for wear. 
because what would happen is the chain would literally eat away at that that shoe and it would get to the point where it became so thin and so brittle that the shoe would break so the big problem was when all that plastic broke it would clog up your oil pump and with the clog in the oil pump now you're not oiling your engine like you should and then the second side of that is now you have a metal spring riding on your chain well anytime metal wears obviously it sends metal shavings into your oil and then you get you know bad bearing or bearing problems and things like that so that's what the big issue was now when people talk about just absolutely staying away from them because of that i think that's kind of a, a stupid idea in my opinion they can be fixed now harley came up with a different type of polymer for their shoes that didn't wear as, as fast or as easy or didn't get as brittle now that is one way that you can go ahead and not necessarily upgrade but change so you could change it out for the new tensioners they last a little bit longer but what i always tell my customers is still check them every thirty thousand miles because shit happens you never know when something's going to wear how it's going to wear depending on how you ride and how much heat you put into it and how often you change your engine oil will determine how long you get out of your tensioners the life expectancy now we talk about the upgrades in that yes there for a long time it was a good idea to go gear to gear gear drive cams gear drive from your crank to your cam that's a nice idea in fresh engines. It works somewhat efficiently. I've never been a huge fan of going gear to gear because those particular engines also over a long period of time would develop a little bit more crankshaft runout. And what that means is imagine your crankshaft spinning on zero. Okay. So you don't want any movement in your crankshaft up and down, left and right, whatever, because they were a press fit uh, crankshaft. So left side, right side, they were pressed together. Now fix that. You can also, you could take your crankshaft out have it pressed, have it welded and then balanced and check for true. And that was a long-term fix for the crankshaft run out. So gear to gear, the reason why I don't like it on those particular engines is because over a period of time, they get a little bit more run out and a little bit more run out. And then once that run out gets above like three thousandths of an inch, you have the potential to bind those gears and then it would break those gears on the gear drive cams. So although it is an option, I don't particularly like that option just for that reason. Now, what I really recommend is you can, I buy all my stuff, this particular stuff from Harley. One, the price point's great. Two, it's really good quality stuff. You can go to other aftermarket companies. Fueling makes this conversion kit. SNS makes this conversion kit. I'm sure there's a couple other ones that do. I like name brand stuff. So what this conversion is, when I buy it from Harley, I get a new Screaming Eagle oil pump. I get a Screaming Eagle hydraulic cam support plate. And what it is, is it's a whole new support plate. Instead of having those spring-loaded tensioners, it comes with hydraulic tensioners. Now, when you convert to hydraulic, it still is a plastic shoe on the tensioner. But instead of having a spring-loaded metal arm that pushes on that, it's done off of oil pressure. So it, it's, in my opinion, a lot better. Those shoes don't have as much tension on them pressing on the chain that causes that excess wear of the shoe so imagine pressing on something like say sandpaper you're sanding something right yeah you press down super super hard you're going to gouge whatever you're sanding a lot faster 
And that's the idea. That's the best way I can explain it with a, a metal spring style tensioner. It's pressing on that chain really, really hard, harder than it probably needs to be. And that's why that shoe wears out so fast. So then when you go to hydraulic, it is still adequate pressure to do the job right, but it's not so much that it's going to wear that shoe out super, super fast. So that's why it's so good. Once you do that conversion, it's an install it and forget it type of thing. You never have to check them again. I've never seen another issue out of a twin cam motor when doing these conversions. So in 2007, when they came out with the 96 inch motor, they had already had those hydraulic cam support plates in. So from 97 all the way up to 16, 15, 16, you never had to worry about the chain tensioners on it. It just wasn't an issue because they had already, they'd switched that design over to the hydraulic tensioner already. Well, being the, uh, the maroon here that doesn't know anything about mechanics, if you have that type of an engine and it's stock, would this mm. be the first thing that you would want to address in that engine? That yeah, model so, year? so what we're talking about model years, it's going to be 97. 97, I believe, was the first year of the twin cam. You could only get them in the touring models at that time. So 97 to, I think it was 99 or 2000, you could only get those engines in a touring model bike. Then at the 99, 2000 mark, they started putting them in all the rest of the motorcycles. So when I back it all the way up to 97, that's I'm trying to cover those touring models also. So it, it ran from 97 to 06. And those are the particular years you have to worry about. So what I tell my customers when they're looking for a used motorcycle and they're like, hey, I'm looking at this 01 electric glider, this 01 soft tail. You know, is it a good bike? What is it? I always go on, you know, how many miles? What's the condition? Blah, blah, blah. All that BS that you talk about when understanding the value of what that motorcycle is. But then I say, this is the first thing I would ask. Has the cam chain tensioners been addressed? And I said, if they cannot tell you yes or no, or they have no idea, if you decide to buy the bike, I would look at that first off. Let's see what shape they're in. Let's see what condition they're in. Let's see if it's been converted or changed. What is an average? I mean, every shop is different. Yeah. Uh, but if you're going to have to change that out and then upgrade them, what kind of money are you looking at spending in the neighborhood of? Okay, so I'm a cheap trick and I'm a little bit of money whore. So I'll just use my shop rates and what it is for me. Now, depending on where you're at and what shop you go to, this isn't... It, it it's vary. It's going to be hard to say because if you go to Harley, they're a high dollar amount per hour. Um, if you go to some other independent shops, depending on what their labor rate is. But I'll tell you the average cost of parts here. So on those particular motors, if I get one in and the guy's wanting to be somewhat cheap and we just replace those tensioners and he understands that we're going back with a stock style tensioner... In 30,000 miles, you need to check it again. Typically, what I do is instead of breaking down the rocker boxes and taking the top end of the engine apart to retain your factory push rods, uh, they're non-adjustable. And I'll get to why I like these adjustable ones a lot better. So I cut your push rods with bolt cutters. I take them out without tearing the engine down. With those out, I could I could pull the lifters up and the lifter blocks and hold them up. Then I could pull your cams out without ever breaking your engine, you know, crack it into your engine, top end, whatever. So when we go back together with it, I usually run SNS Quickie adjustable push rods. My cost, they're like 260, 270 bucks, something like that. What you get is four new adjustable push rods, all the O-rings for your push rod tubes and new tubes. So what it does is it changes the height of what your push rod tubes collapse down to. 
and that gives you access to the lower half of the push rod so then you can adjust it. A, a big pro to that is, is the engine gets a little bit older, say your lifters get a little bit weaker and you get a little bit of top end noise, you can adjust those up a little bit more to get a little bit more life out of your lifters. Now it'd be a great idea to replace them, but everybody has a budget. So it's, it's a little trick that you can get a little bit more life out of your lifters. So then we go to the cam support plate. Now with doing that, you do have to break the cams out of the cam support plate to replace these tensioners. And every time we do that, I always say, hey, it's a good idea. Let's replace your inner cam bearings. They get pressed into the crank block, the block itself. And then your outer cam bearings, they get pressed into your cam support plate. So you retain your factory cams, your factory chains. We replace it with factory tensioners, but you get new bearings and new push rods. Okay, so parts and labor on that is usually an average cost of about 700 bucks. Pretty low, in my opinion. Comparatively. Comparatively, yes. Now, I take it you can go with much higher quality products. Yes. And that price, of course, will... Yeah, different, different style of conversions, yes. Now, we can go to, if a customer's just dead set on gear drive, uh, we can go to gear drive. Now, with that, you still have to do the push rods in the tubes. Then you have to buy new cams because there's chain drive cams and gear drive cams. So you're replacing your camshafts. On average, those are almost 400 bucks for your camshafts. Then you have to buy the SNS gears to drive these. There's another 400 bucks. So you're $800 relatively right there out of the box, plus almost $300 in your push rods and gasketry. So now you're pushing the $1,100 mark for gear drive cams then with that i always tell people you know it's a gear to gear so you're not gonna have to worry about tensioners but now you have to worry about crank run out so every time someone talks about this in my shop going gear to gear i always recommend before we buy parts i said okay bring the bike in we'll get it all stripped out and i'll check your crank run out because if it's if it's over that three thousandths of an inch mark i will not do gear drive just sorry not going to be an oh, option. Oh, you're wasting your time. You're spinning your wheels. Yes. Typically, I'll see one around, you know, one thousands, maybe just a touch over one thousands run out. And there I tell them, hey, you're within spec. We can do it if you want to. But just know that this is something you're going to have to keep in the back of your mind. As you get more miles on your bike, it might be something that we need to check periodically just to make sure you don't have catastrophic failure later. So there parts and labor, you know, you're pushing the fourteen, fifteen hundred dollar mark running gear drive cams now it is kind of a cool idea because when you go to gear drive cams if you wanted to do a performance camshaft in it you can do that as opposed to just buying like a a base style cam that's gear to gear you can put a performance camshaft into it so if you're already thinking about doing cams anyway that's somewhat of a good option then we go to the hydraulic conversion which this is what i recommend almost all the time where I can this is what I recommend so my cost on the Harley Screaming Eagle hydraulic conversion is about 500 bucks and that is the new tensioners the new chains new sprockets for your cam and your crank it comes with an oil pump as well so it's in my opinion that's a great idea you get a fresh oil pump a little bit more higher volume too you know more oil pressure always the better Plus, you also have to do, I recommend doing the quickie adjustable push rods. So say now you're at 800 bucks, 
and then bearings and gaskets and things like that. My typical average cost on this parts and labor install is between twelve and thirteen hundred dollars. So your middle price range on this conversion, but the most reliable. It sounds like the better way to go. Yes, in my opinion, it is a lot better way to go. You don't have to worry about it again. You get good, high-quality parts, and you've just taken this 88 twin cam and made it very, very reliable for longevity. I get guys in the shop a lot. You know, everybody talks about high miles, and they think 40,000 miles as high miles on a bike or oh, high miles on these twin cams. Man, I've got I've got customers with 150, 200,000 miles on their twin cams, never had to do anything but this conversion to it, and absolutely love it. So... You know, we preface this, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Everybody worries about these twin cams. They hear twin cam, and they think it's all years, all models, all everything. Well, when you talk about 97 to 16, that's a huge age gap. And on top of that, it's really only 97 to 06 that had the issues. So people like you, Craig, that browbeat Harley all the damn time, and they talk about... I just do it to bust your balls. Yeah, how shitty they are and how they're not very good. So the good about a twin cam, in my opinion, is they're freaking reliable engines. They really do. And they have the potential to make pretty good power, too, depending on what you're doing. Now, the bad in it is that from out of the box, they don't make that much power. There's not a huge difference in power between their 88 cubic inch and their 103 cubic inch. So in my so opinion... So the average rider is not going to notice the difference, really? It Truthfully, no. I, and I tell guys all the time because there's everybody that has that swing and dick syndrome where they have to have the biggest and all the most and everything like that. There's not a huge difference. Okay. With the 96s and the 103s, you got the six speed transmission. That's, that's what you get out of them. You don't get a ton more power. And if you're a guy that doesn't mind spending money on these engines, you can go from an 88. S&S now runs a 100-inch piston and cylinder kit. If you stroked them or machined your crankshaft, you can get off of an 88. You can get to a 107. And then on the 96s, again, you can big bore to a 103. And I believe you can even big bore to a 110 without having to do any machining. And then on the 103s, you can big bore to a 117. So if you're a cubic inch guy, you can get it out of these engines. Then if you're a performance guy, I recommend looking at Bob Woods, like Bob Woods cams and stuff. They do a lot of dyno drags. They make freaking power out of these engines. They can they can break the 130, 140 mark with these smaller CC engines. There's a lot of gain in these engines, and I really do feel like they're reliable engines. They're a good base for building something off of. Another reason why I really like these is stock they make okay power they're going to be great for the everyday rider they're going to be great for reliability if you don't care to do a whole bunch of extras or add-ons there's a lot of great benefits to them then if you're a guy that likes spending money and chasing horsepower and torque numbers and stuff they're a good base to build power off of they really are i want to i want to really hit this point right here pretty good so we talk about this particular problem with this particular engine the twin cam 88 in those particular years and everyone wants to say harley's not reliable or harley's trash or whatever it is so this particular gentleman was like should i just stay away from this engine completely well let me put this out there yes on those engines they had those problems you back up to the 80 cubic inch evo motor they had issues with base gaskets leaking all the time and they had issues with something and what something is is 
your oil bag, the pressure of the oil in the bag, it's bearing down on the oil pump, passes a check valve or a check ball is what it's called. When the bike sits for a little while, it puts extra oil into the crankcase. Well, when that extra oil is in the crankcase, you start it up and it say it's been sitting for a couple of weeks or a month or what have you. Some of them get so bad to where almost every time you start it, it does this. It has excess oil in the crankcase and then the vent pukes it out onto the ground for for its vent line. It's just routed out. There's usually a filter on it and it, it just pukes oil out on the ground. That was their two big issues. Now, the Evo motor was a great platform. Almost all aftermarket engines, you know, we saw the big choppers of the late 90s and early 2000s. They ran into a single cam Evo style engine in large cubic inches and large cc's and stuff. So it was a really hot platform. Now, let's fast forward to the Milwaukee 8. The Milwaukee 8 went back to a single cam design. And guess what? There's certain models on certain engines that had issues with sumping. So they're back to the sumping issue. So that's a brand new engine, redesigned engine, state-of-the-art, most power Harley's ever made out of a stock engine, had a sumping issue. They had venting issues. They had, they called it fluid transfer issues. So fluid was transferring from the transmission and the engine. Now there's also aftermarket fixes for all those. And Harley's, you know, that was their first lines. Harley's really gotten better and kind of fixed those issues. So they're... The really now, late model ones don't I'd have I bust those. your balls a lot on Harley Davidson just because I'm busting your balls. It's yeah. it's not so much Harley, but I do have a legitimate question. Yeah. Why do they put out a product that they know that there's issues with? Why don't they wait and say, and this is kind of a guessing game because you don't work for Harley Davidson. No. And, and there are other companies that do this. Why do companies not wait, recognize the problem, fix the problem, and then release the new product? Okay, so you talk about, this is only my opinion into it. You talk about trying to edge the market and be revolutionary and come out with something new and exciting, things like that. How many years are you going to R&D this thing before you finally release it? To be first, everybody's idea is to be first, be first, come out with something. You know, I would say Harley sales kind of declined there for a little bit. Indian came out, was getting really, really big and hot and popular. So they had to redesign and redo stuff. So we get into the tech years where they started doing all their, their Rushmore where they had, you know, really good electronics and GPS and all this extra shit that made the bike consumer friendly with ABS model stuff and just a bunch of extra stuff like that. So they redesigned the engine to try to address some of the heat issues, the width issues, you know, an M8 motor is narrower than what the twin cams were. The primary slimmed up, you know, they started coming out with liquid cooled bikes and stuff like that to try to you know, stay fresh. I would say on the MH, they really put their time into the heads. You know, they're four valve heads, whereas they were two valve heads essentially before. So they, they put all their, their eggs in, in the basket of let's make them run cooler. Let's have a little bit more performance out of them. Let's do something that we haven't done before. And they didn't probably have enough time to see these particular issues pop up. Now, I know some guys say, hey man, my bike did this almost right out of the box. That, I can't really speak to why or what the issue really was. Maybe it was a cost analysis of, you know, this is an issue that we can address later after we get a lot more miles on them. Let's figure out which particular models it was a problem on. Because every every model is going to be different a little bit because you have a soft tail with a different oil bag, you have a soft tail with a different frame geometry, so you can you have to kind of scale back what you have. It's not always necessarily 
one engine, one transmission combo put into every motorcycle. So each model's got a couple little different things. So then they found that on certain models, they had these certain issues because it wasn't on every single model. So I, I would say that that's probably why um, they wanted to get this thing out there on the market. Probably didn't have enough time to see all these motorcycles in uh, production with miles on them to find out. And to issues. be fair, I, I mentioned Harley. They're not the only ones. Most manufacturing no. companies, whether no. no matter what the product is, whether it's computers or uh, yep. motorcycles, cars, they'll put stuff out that they yes. know has flaws in them just to get out ahead of the curve. Yeah. And I'm an old codger, so you know, to me, that's like bullshit. Yeah, it, but it I, I get like what you're it, saying, yeah. though. And everybody always bitches and pisses and moans about, well, that should be a recall issue. Well, recall issues only done on safety. That's right. You know, it's not. You know, when Harley had their ABS stuff, that was a recall. You know, their ABS lines right. and stuff like that. But when they had bag lids opening up and bags falling off, that's not a recall issue. There's a fix for it in an upgrade, but it's not a recall because it's not really a safety issue. So recalls are done on safety issues. You know, if you have a problem or a poor design, it just is what it is. So your take on this, good, bad, or the ugly, basically what you're saying is, if I'm not mistaken, and I often am, as you know, uh, if you're willing to put the time and the money into correcting this issue with the upgrade, definitely worth the the bike. Yes, yes. You can get some of those older twin cam model bikes pretty freaking dirt cheap. And if you're a guy that wants to be in a Harley but doesn't have the money to go pop 30 G's on a new one, it's a great option. It really is. And for a minimal amount of money, you can make that bike yes. sturdy, reliable, and, and good to go. Yeah. And I see a lot of guys that always want more performance. Most people do. Most people want a little bit more performance. So when you do this conversion, it's a great opportunity to throw a set of cams into it, get a little bit more oomph out of it, and get a little bit funner riding experience out of it with a set of camshafts. It's really a good engine. I don't really have many qualms with them. My biggest issue, I always hated the fuel injection system on those 97s to 2000s, more so than I hated the cam chain tensioner issue. Magneti Morelli bikes is what I'm talking about. And if you're looking to buy those first generation fuel injected bikes, dude, that's that's where I'm like, uh, you're going to spend a couple of dollars trying to procure the issues that the Magneti Morelli had. After 2000, 2001, they went to Delphi and then it's a non-issue. So I had more problems with their M&M injection system as opposed to their faulty cam chain tensioners. Well, maybe that's a, an episode in the future. Well, yeah. JR from the nether regions of the interwebs, I hope that helped answer your question. Hell, even I understood it, and that's something. <laughs> <laughs> this guy only understands square block goes in square hole. <laughs> so you guys well, got You can get it into you. a round hole if your hammer's big enough. <laughs> or if your square is small enough. That's right. So next week, we want to remind you that the Lake of the Ozarks Bike Fest uh, goes on from the 15th through the 19th. Obviously, the Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri. Yeah. Uh, encourage you to come up and give it a whirl. It's a lot of fun. Also, I want to say congratulations to Mark Asper. I hope I said that right. From Albuquerque, New Mexico, was this month's winner of our free giveaway. I believe we gave away a pair of uh, Joe Rocket gloves and a gift certificate to uh, Lake of the Ozarks Harley Davidson. Maybe you can make the trek from New Mexico over here to Bike Fest and redeem your gift certificate. Exactly. Or I think they'll do it by mail. Sure. That's a possibility. <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyways, we've got all of that going for you. If by chance you would like, uh, go check out randomthoughtsfromtheroad.com. 
We're there on the interwebs. You can hear past episodes, uh, this current episode, obviously. Sign up for our free giveaway we do every month. We don't sell your information. We just like giving stuff away. Also, if you're inclined, we wouldn't mind if you became a club member. Help support the podcast. Every little bit helps. Of course, with more members that we come up with, the better our giveaways can be. So it only benefits you. Yeah, yeah. If you throw a little change our way, we'll be able to give you better products on your giveaways that you can redeem and get free. So I want to say thanks to JR for hitting us up for that topic. If you've got a topic you want us to talk about or have a question, you know, feel free to hit us up at Random Thoughts from the Road and we'll try to address them. Maybe we can make a podcast out of it. Maybe we can help you and you can help us by giving us more ideas on stuff we can we can come up with to talk about. This is all about you guys anyway. So we want to make sure that we're banging on topics that interest and, and spark your curiosity. So anyways, until next time, keep writing and be safe.